You ready for the question? Are you ready to study God's word today? Okay, we're, we're going to work on that in 2018, so you're going to be blowing my hair back by the time it's done. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we are in this series this month where we have been talking about the greatest gift. And so the question that we've been looking at is, what is the greatest, or to be more specific, who is the greatest gift of Christmas? Jesus. Jesus. And so we've been studying each week John Chapter 3, verse 16. One of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. Let's read it out loud together. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. And so today we are going to talk about how God delivered the greatest gift of Christmas. Now, when it comes to Christmas presents, I have to admit that this is a challenging Christmas for the Gorvette family. Uh, because those of you who don't know, we just moved here and uh, started here at the church in July. And before that, we had been living in the States for years. And uh, my family, although we're all from the Maritimes, my family, most my brother and my sisters, and now even my dad for the winters, because he can't hack the winter in New Brunswick, uh, is uh, they're all in the States and, and uh, around that country uh, to our south. And my wife is an American, and this is her first time living across the border. And she's from the south. She has family in South Carolina and North Carolina and Virginia. And so not only are we separated from our family, but it makes it especially difficult when it comes to Christmas presents. Because I don't know if you know this, if you ever try to ship stuff to the States, sometimes the shipping costs more than the gift itself. This is not good economics. This does not make sense. Uh, and so sometimes delivering a gift can be the hardest part. And in John chapter 1, at the beginning of this writing from the Gospel of John, it goes into great detail showing us how God delivered this gift. And the theological word that we are going to look at today is the word incarnation. Incarnation. Everybody say that together. Incarnation. Now, when I heard that as a child, I thought it meant that I was in trouble. I thought I was going to get a whooping. Boy, what incarnation are you doing? <laughs> but uh, that, actually, that's tarnation, and that didn't help because I don't know what tarnation means either. Uh, but let's break this word down into two parts. The root of the word is this part, carnation. And that comes from the root carnate or carnal, which has something to do with the flesh. It has something to do with what? With flesh. And so keep that in mind, that incarnation has something to do with flesh. Now let's get into John chapter 1 at the very beginning of this gospel where the whole thing is introduced to us. Where John chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. Pay close attention to that. We're going to break that down in just a second. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now in your English Bibles here, the translators did something really interesting. You see where it says, in the beginning was the word, and 
the word is all in capitals. You notice that, right? That clues you into something. That lets you know that there is something going on behind the scenes in the original Greek text. Because the Bible was not written in English, was it? The New Testament was written in, in Greek. And so here in the Greek, in the beginning was the word. This is logos. Here for the word in the Greek, it is logos. Everybody say logos. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this word, in the beginning was the logos. What's interesting is that this was not a word from uh, from Hebrew religion or originally from Christianity. This actually was not originally a religious word. It actually comes from Greek society and philosophers. Do you remember Greek philosophers like Socrates and Plato? And so uh, in Greek society, those philosophies were heroes. They were like the rock stars of ancient Greece. Long before, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And so long before Jesus, Greek philosophers had agreed that, that there must be something that holds the world together. Some kind of universal truth, some type of universal reason behind all things. And this universal reason behind all things that undergirds the foundations of the world, these Greek philosophers had come to call it the logos. It's where we get the word logic or logical. In fact, how many of you like Star Wars? The new Star Wars movie? Yeah? Is it any good? I've heard it's good. Yes? Is it good? Okay, it's good. Uh, and so, uh, it, so kind of like the force in Star Wars, right? Can you think, of, may the force be with you? Now, that, that's not exact, but kind of keep that in mind as we think about this verse. Verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, this, this logos, this force, the reason behind all things. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him, through this force, through this logos, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of men. So it is saying that, that in the beginning, God was not alone. That there was another person or another force. This, this other force was the, the reason behind all things, the source that was actually the creator of life itself, and that, that somehow this other thing was not actually separate from God, but that not only was it with God, but somehow literally it was God. Now, I would love right now to get into the theolo theology of the Trinity, I wish we could take about 30 or 40 minutes and really break down what this means, the theology of the Trinity, that God is actually one being but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, one but yet distinct, and how does that work? And, 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 and so I promise one Sunday we will go into this in depth, sometime, but not today. Uh, yeah, we will do that. 
but, and by the way, in the meantime, sign up for Alpha, Beta, or Word uh, coming up in February because they deal with this kind of stuff, these classes that we have that are designed to help us learn more about the Bible and the nature of God. But for now, let's move on to verse 14, where all of a sudden this word logos pops up again in the scripture, but, but this time it tells us something really interesting about this logos, the word, the force, this reason behind all things. Verse 14 says that this logos, the word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so now it starts to come into focus that, that verse 14 tells us that this word, this logos, became something. What did it become? It became flesh. And that is where we see the incarnation. That God himself became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, why would God do such a thing? When you were a child, did you ever get scared at night? Did you ever get scared where you, oh, you know, you're, and, and you're afraid that something's in the closet and you run into your parents' room? And, and imagine the child, the story that I've heard of a child who, who ran into his parents' room, and I'm afraid, and his father said, go back to bed, son. God is with you. It will be okay. And so the little boy goes back to bed, and a few minutes later, he comes running back into his parents' room. I'm afraid, and his father says, go back to bed, son. It's okay. God is with you. And so he goes back to bed the second time. And then a third time, he comes running back into his parents' room, and he says, Dad, I'm scared. And his father says, Son, I told you. God is with you. And the son says, I know, Dad, but tonight I need God with skin on. <laughs> and folks, that is what we needed, isn't it? We needed God with skin on. And so he came to this world in the form of a little baby. And Jesus Christ was not just an ambassador for God. He was not just a representative of God. He was not just a messenger from God, but that Jesus, literally from the beginning, always has and always will be, since before the creation of the world, fully God himself. And then something happened 2,000 years ago, when for 33 years, this logos, this word, the, the force, the logic, the reason behind all things, literally came to this earth and put on flesh and walked among us with skin on. You see, in the Bible, we had God in a book, but in Jesus, we had God in a body. In the Bible, we had God on a page, but in Jesus, we find God in a person. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. Amen? Isn't that good news? That's why we do what we do. It's why we are who we are. And so why did he do this? What was the reason for the incarnation? I came across this writing from an unknown author. And so again, it's not from the Bible. It's just an interesting thought, a creative work of literature. And I want to read it to you. 
Imagine if billions of people were scattered on a great plain before God's throne. Some of the groups are speaking with great anger. How can God judge us? What does he know about our suffering? People from all different races are bringing their complaints against God. A Jewish woman tortured in a Nazi concentration camp. A, a black man whose family has been suffering in slavery. An African child whose family was killed in the jungle by drug lords. A victim whose family is destroyed by a terrible storm. A parent who watches their child in agony with an incurable disease. Far across the plain were hundreds of these groups, each with a complaint against God for the suffering in the world. How lucky God was to live in a heaven where there is no crying, no fear, no hunger, no pain. How dare God judge mankind from this comfortable place in heaven? And so each group sent a leader. And in the center of the great plain, they consulted with one another. Their case was very simple. Before God could be qualified to be their judge, he must have to experience what they had endured. Their decision, that God should experience life as a man. But because he was God, they decided there should be certain safeguards put in place. There should be limitations on his divine power. Let him be born a Jew, the race that has faced more persecution throughout history than any other people. Let the legitimacy of his birth be in question so that no one would understand his true identity. Let him champion a cause so just but so radical that it brings hatred down upon him. May he be condemned. May he be despised. Let him know the pain of betrayal at the hands of his closest friends. Let him be unfairly accused. Let him be tortured. Let him bleed. Let him die a humiliating death in the presence of common thieves. And as the leaders pronounced their sentence against God, they cheered in approval. Yes, this would make for a more compassionate God. Yes, this would be a God who could understand their sufferings. This would be the kind of God that we could trust. But of course, the crowds could not condemn God, for this is exactly what Jesus had already done. This is what Jesus has already done. The incarnation, John chapter 1 verse 10 says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then the punch. This word. It became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. And that, my friends, is the story of Christmas. And here's where it takes us by surprise. Here is what is so shocking when people begin to realize that this is the most important part. You see, the incarnation is not just something that, 
that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. It is in fact something that God continues to do to this very day in the life of every true believer. If you will let him, God now wants to become incarnate in your life. You see, Jesus was not satisfied to just become flesh and walk the earth for 33 years and die on the cross to pay the price for our sins and return to heaven for eternity. No, see, that was just the beginning of the story. Now he wants to become flesh again in you. After a Sunday church, a little girl had a question for her mother. She came home confused. And she said, Mother, is it true that God is bigger than us? And her mother said, Yes, sweetheart, God is so much bigger than us. And Mother, is it true that God wants to live inside of us? Yes, dear, it's true that God wants to live inside of us. Then, Mother, shouldn't God be showing through? You see, that is the essence of it. That if God is bigger than us and he wants to live inside of us, that is how he shows through us into the world. And over the last four months, our leadership, our board, and our staff have been processing this together. How in the coming years will we walk this out to an ever-increasing level of effectiveness as a church family together? And so if you're, uh, even, even if you're new around here, if you've been here for the last four months or so, then you have probably seen this a number of times already. It's our threefold ministry, and it goes like this. That God's love is designed to indwell us so that he can show through us to the world. Would you, would you get your hands, let me, let me see your hands, okay? Reach them up in the air and say, God's love in us to the world. Let's do that again. God's love in us to the world. That is the incarnational ministry of Jesus. That is what it's all about. That's what we've been focusing on, not just throughout this month, but throughout the year. You know, last weekend, our silly, crazy, ridiculously fun program called Jingle Bell Rock, we had over 1,700 people here for worship last weekend. And hundreds of families who do not know Jesus heard the story of Jesus and the true meaning of Christmas right here in this place. I could begin to list on and on and on. I mean, just yesterday, we had many people from the church out on the streets of the city of Moncton giving away Christmas gifts and things needed by people who are less fortunate and struggling this season, being the hands and feet of Jesus to our community. See, the incarnational ministry of Jesus is God's love in us to this world.
And so every time you invite somebody to church, every time you stand out in the atrium and welcome people as they come through the doors, every time you serve in the nursery or help lead music for kids, every time you lead a first-time guest to help their child find the children's ministry for that morning, every time you, you serve and, 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 and uh, t make a meal for someone who is going through a hard time, every time you make a visit at the hospital or in prison, every time you volunteer with one of our partner ministries or charities in our city, that is the incarnation of Jesus all over again in our world. And so, listen, it can be Christmas all year long, every day, when we become Jesus with skin on to those who are hurting. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse five through seven. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us is held in perishable containers, that is, in our bodies, so everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. Folks, this is what it's all about. You know when I was a kid, they lied to me? When I was a kid, they told me the hokey pokey is what it was all about. <laughs> but it's not. This is what it's all about. Could we read that out loud together? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7. Let's read it from the top. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this precious treasure, come on, this light and power that now shine within us is held in perishable containers, that is, in our weak bodies, so everyone can see that our glorious power is God and not our own. Amen. Amen. That's why we're here. That's what it's about. That is the message the message of Christmas. And maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know about all that. Maybe you've never received this glorious gift, the reason that Jesus came so that we could be forgiven, that he died on the cross so that our sins could be paid for. He took the punishment that we deserve. He was more than just a child in a manger. He was flesh, humanity upon the cross. And if you will receive his forgiveness, 
you too can be freed from the consequences of your sin and become a child of God like this. Forgiven and dearly loved. So if you just close your eyes. And right now in your heart, if you would say, Father, thank you that Jesus came to this earth. And thank you that even though I have been selfish and sinful, I've been filled with pride, I have tried to do my life without you. But today, I confess my sin. I confess that I need you. And I receive your gift of forgiveness through Jesus on the cross. I want to be your child. And I promise to live for you for the rest of my life to put you first. That your spirit would fill this perishable, fragile container and that Jesus would be incarnate in me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing this song of declaration together. And if you prayed that prayer, we're going to celebrate with you in a few minutes. But first, let's declare our mission together with a song that reminds us of our calling to the world.